He is so faithful. There's a, there's a Jewish prayer. It's, it, it, it's part of the, the Kaddish. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's part of the Amidah. It's a Jewish prayer that goes back all the way to the time of Ezra. So if you think like the early Christian fathers have some old prayers, well, you should hang around Judaism a little bit. Prayers go way farther back. Um, so, and in, in the prayer, it, it says, Blessed are you, Lord, who revives the dead. And God is faithful to revive the dead. In fact, resurrection, it's in his nature, it's in his essence to resurrect, to bring birth, to bring life into something that is not living. He is a God of miracles, We are celebrating the time of miracles with Hanukkah. He is a God of birth. The Christian world is celebrating a birth tonight and tomorrow. A miraculous birth. But God is, his births are, it's not just one-time events. God births and births and births and births and births and births and births. Yeshua said it right when he, when he compared himself to a seed, and if it remains just a seed, if it dies, it remains just a seed. But wait, no, if it doesn't die, it remains just a seed. But once it dies, it produces much. So it's not about one death and one resurrection or one birth. It's about a rebirth and a rebirth and a rebirth. You must be born again. And yes, there is an experience of being born again. That's kind of like when the, when the seed comes into you for the first time. But if anybody is planted like perennials in your yard, you'll notice that every season it's a little more. And that is how God operates. We are born again. Again. And again. But the, the, the challenge of it is that the rebirth that happens, the resurrection that happens. So how many love the fact that God is a God of resurrection? Amen. But what has to happen first in order for there to be a resurrection? Oy vey. See, we like the end of it. We don't like the process of it. But God takes what is dead and makes it alive. He takes dry bones and makes them come to life and pours his spirit on it. The Jewish people know this because it was prophesied they'd be cast out of Israel because of their sin, but, but in the end they will be brought back. But they know that that process of being brought back to Israel involved a lot of suffering. But God is faithful to resurrect the dead and to bring life where there was death, to bring birth, birth, where there is, where was death. See, Adam and Eve kind of messed it up for all of us. But you know that the Bible is spiritual so when, when Adam and Eve did their little thing and God changed birth for Eve to be painful and long, 
See, that's what happened. That's what he did. And that's what happened where, where now birth wasn't just like a, a quick thing. Hey, that must have been really cool. Imagine like, you know, the kids are downstairs. Imagine like being like, you have your intimacy and then like, there's the kid. Actually, I don't know if that's good or bad. But anyway, so what happened was birth and pregnancy became long and painful. But the Bible is spiritual. And the birth is a spiritual birth. And it's the same thing. It takes time and it involves some pain. It takes time and it involves some pain. But God is faithful to bring birth because the seed that is within you, the seed of Messiah that is within you is incorruptible. And it seems that the germination process for the seed or the gestation process is a painful one. Maybe it's not a coincidence that Manure makes good fertilizer. Because the seed, it seems, to, it seems to grow in a dark place, in a painful place. But it is not affected by the darkness. It's not affected by even sin. Because the seed is Mashiach himself who is eternal, and if he plants himself within the dirt, within you. You know, Yeshua spoke about, you know, good soil, bad soil, rocky soil. God is, if you have rocky soil, God is faithful to take those rocks out. If you have thin soil, God is faithful to deepen your soil. But he does what he has to do to push himself out. The birth of Messiah in you again and again and again and again. We see in this Torah portion the birth of Mashiach in a painful way. And I'm going to share a story from this Torah portion. It's sort of like a story within the story. But within the story, there is a story of a birth, of faithfulness, of God taking a place of darkness and destitution and bringing forth a miracle. So this Torah portion is about the story of Joseph, or in Hebrew, Yosef, and we know the story of how his brothers were jealous of him, as was mentioned before, and you can almost understand their jealousy because Joseph was so much younger than everyone else. Like, imagine being like a kid in a house, and you've grown up, and you're like, you know, you have a good relationship with your parents, and now you're a teenager, and maybe you're even approaching like, you know, high teens or 20 years old, but your parents in their old age were blessed with another child. And now there's this new kid in town, like the Eagles sang. There's a new kid in town that's getting all the favor 
And the other kids are like, why does dad love this one so much? What did we do where we became all of a sudden second best to this little punk? What happened? I mean, dad has given him these coats. Coats of many colors. So they had a plan. So they devised a plan. You know, Joseph was older, and Joseph started to get some dreams. And this is the youngest kid in the family, or second youngest at some point, once Benjamin was born. But he was a youngin' in the family. And now he's having dreams of the other kids bowing to him. You, are you kidding me, Joseph? What, are you kidding me? Like, these guys were jealous of him already. For the love he was getting. And now they're like, oh, I had a dream, guys. You are all going to bow to me. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> see, only when we see in spirit, when somebody else says, you're going to bow to me. Glory, hallelujah. Do we say, yeah, hallelujah. But our flesh gets in the way, and we go, what? Get out of here, punk. Get out of here. So they devised a plan. Let's kill him. <laughs> that was the easy way out. We got 11 kids going, let's kill him. Let's just kill him. But Reuben, the firstborn, he's the leader of the house. He's the firstborn. He has some responsibility as the firstborn. He goes, I got a better idea. Let's, let's just put him into a pit. Because he wanted to get him out of the pit later. You know, and restore him. So he didn't want to kill him. He just wanted to teach him a lesson. Throw him into a pit. Take that stupid, dumb coat off of him. Go get him later and say, all right, Joseph. You learned your lesson, kid. Now enough of the dreams. But Judah... Another leader in the house had another idea. Judah said, let's sell him into slavery. And Judah, who was a leader in the house, you must understand that Judah was of the line of the kings, the line of King David. King David was going to come forth from his descendants. Messiah himself was to come forth from his descendants. Judah, the lion of Judah tribe. This was a big guy in the family, a leader with a prophetic calling on his life. Kings were going to come forth from his loins. A whole kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, will be named after him. Judaism will be named after him. This is a big guy. This is an important guy in the family with a major prophetic calling and a leadership role. Tells the brothers, let's sell him to slavery. So he wound up being sold to slavery. Reuben comes back to get him out of the pit, and sure enough, he's gone. And he's a mess. 
and he devises, you know what, let's just slaughter a goat, dip the coat in the goat blood, give it to dad and say, uh, do you know who this belongs to? And that's what they did. And Jacob, Israel, who just wanted to have a quiet old life at this point. I mean, four wives was enough. I mean, his battles with Esau was enough. Now he's an old man. He just wants to settle. And he's told that he loses his favorite son, the son of his old age. So he's in a place of destitution. And Joseph is sold to Egypt. The Torah portion now takes a left turn. And within this left turn is a story of redemption and resurrection and birth and a, a proof that the seed of Messiah, nothing can stop it. But the germination process can be painful. The story then takes a left turn to Judah. It says that Judah turned away from his brothers and went down to another place. Our Jewish sages and rabbis agree that because of what he did, his leadership role in what happened to Joseph, he was demoted in his family. He was a leader, but he was also a leader in, in selling Joseph to slavery, and they thought he was dead, and it was primarily Judah's fault because the whole selling him to slavery idea was his. So he fell away. This leader with a calling to be the one that kings, that Messiah himself will come forth from, fell away. It says that he married the daughter of a Canaanite. Do you know that was sinful for that family? They were not supposed to marry the Canaanites. They were wicked people. This is why when they had the first child, his name was Ur, God just said he's wicked and he died. The second child was also wicked. He didn't want to com complete the, the Leverite marriage when the brother uh, marries the, the, the deceased of the brother so the brother, deceased brother's name can be perpetuated. We won't get into that whole detail, but he refused to do it. He dies. Because they were married to this woman named Tamar. Tamar. She was the one married to the first wicked son. And then she was given to the second son. And he refused to have children with her. So then Judah decides, you know what? There must be something wrong with this chick. Every son I give to her dies. And he blamed it all on her. So he said, you know what, just stay in your widow's garments until my third son, Shelah, grows up. But he never had plans to really give, her, give him to her and her to him in marriage. So Judah was in a state of fallen away. He left his family. 
He was, re- he was demoted from his family because of what he did in the killing or the supposed killing of Joseph. He went and married a Canaanite, had evil children. And we even know what Tamar did, right? Because she knew that like, she had to have a kid. So she goes in and what does she do? She, she, puts on the, the, she takes off her widow's garments and she, she puts on the garments of a, a prostitute. And stands by the roadside, and here comes Judah. Judah. Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah guy. Sees her as a prostitute and says, hey. How much? This is Judah. Do you understand that he must have been in a fallen away place of sin? Why would he do this if he wasn't destitute. You must understand, I hope I'm painting the picture of a man of God who has fallen into sin deeply. He is away from his family. He is married to somebody wicked of the world originally, had children with her, the Canaanites. Now he's seeing prostitutes. Do you know anybody who's fallen away like that? This is a deep, deep falling away of Judah. But the callings of God are irrevocable. And if he has a calling to bring forth the Messiah, nothing can stop it. The situation is just the gestation period for that birth. So he's in a fallen away place. And we know the story. We know that he wound up saying, you know, how much, girl? How much, woman? You know, he approached her in his car, and she came to the car. You know, kind of bent down there and looked in the window. And she said, hey, man. And he said, how much? She goes, what do you got? She goes, he goes, I got a goat. She goes, all right, that sounds good. She goes, but my goat's back where I live. And she goes, well, what are you going to give me as collateral, man? What are you going to give me now as sort of the proof of purchase? What are you going to give me now if the goat is over there? She goes, I'll tell you what, you give me your signet. You give me your cord, which is what the signet is attached to. You give me your staff. And we can do business. This man, who was in sin, who fell away from his godly family, who was with the people of the world, married unequally yoked big time, seeing prostitutes, sinful, fallen away, man of God, now had to give up everything that identified him as a leader. The staff that he held was the staff of the tribe of Judah. It was proof of his leadership. 
It was proof that he is the one that kings were going to come from. It was the proof of the promise of God on his life and his generations, and he had to give it up. His signet ring identifies him with the cord. It identifies who he is. He had to give it all up. He fell away, but at least he had these elements, these articles that said, I have a promise from God. I'm the leader of the tribe of Judah. Here's my ring. He had to give that up. Have you ever had to give up the promise of God? Because he's made a promise in you and in your life, and you see this is going to happen this way, but everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. But the calling is irrevocable. He's just birthing something greater. And this greater finally manifests itself. Later on in the story, a famine comes to Israel. They have to go to Egypt. They're in front of Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. And that's a foreshadow, by the way, of the Jewish people and Yeshua. Because he, Yeshua to them, looks like an Egyptian lord. Not their Jewish brother. And the day is coming when Yeshua is going to take off his garments that make him look Egyptian. And will say to the Jews, I am your brother. And they will recognize him like we see in the story of Joseph. But at this time, they didn't recognize him. He recognized them. And, them, and then Joseph causes a little bit of a test for them. And he causes Benjamin, the youngest, the least of the tribes, as was said later on by King Saul, Benjamin is the least of all the tribes. And he was the youngest, smallest brother. He takes him captive. And it was all a plot. It was a, it was a trick. Put something in his bag. Said, ah, he stole it. He's now mine as a slave. This is what Joseph said. And then, and then, the seed that was planted in Judah, that went through hell, but was unaffected. It was waiting for the time to come out. Comes out. And Judah says to Joseph, let my younger brother go and take me instead. And when he said that it activated the fulfillment of this whole thing. Joseph takes off his masks. He introduces himself to his brothers. He tells all the Egyptians, get out of the room. The family is restored. Israel is restored because the young the brother is alive. He's not dead. Who was once thought dead is now alive, and Israel sees him. 
All of this happened because this broken, sinful man of God who fell big time had nothing left of himself to give. Nothing of himself. So in his utter despair and feeling of worthlessness, Everything, every promise he thought was now gone. So he said, I got nothing to lose. Set my younger brother free and take me instead. And the spiritual reality of what Yeshua said when he said, What you do to the least of my brothers you do unto me was activated and deliverance came to the whole family because this one mess up, screw up, prostitute seeking, fallen away man of God, gave his life to save another. And the seed came out of the ground. And the plan of God continued. So much so that when it was time for Israel to die and he gave the blessings over all the tribes and it came time to bless Judah, he said, the scepter will never depart from you. This is the guy who gave up his scepter. He gave up his staff. He had to give it away in his brokenness to a hooker. Gets the blessing. The scepter will never depart from you. Behold, you are a lion's cub. We see for the first time the prophecy of the lion of the tribe of Judah that came forth through this busted up man who God birthed the promise out of through deep, deep brokenness. So if you are going through a broken, broken, broken time, hang in there. God is faithful. The gifts and calling of God is irrevocable. When he calls forth the birth of Messiah. Yeah, it may be long and it may be painful. Thanks a lot, Eve. But he who has called it forth will bring it to completion until the day of Messiah Yeshua. And that is God's faithfulness to us, to your kids, 
or whoever it is that you're just praying for. Thank you, Adonai. Bless your name. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. I wish you all a happy Hanukkah. And if you celebrate Christmas, I wish you a Merry Christmas. In Yeshua's name, amen.